Welcome back to the Sweaters Club, guys. As always, I'm your host, Mikey Moore. Tonight, we're joined by Ryan Evans, who hosts the amazing Tyrannicorus show on PBS Radio. Ryan spins the best tunes, interviews the best bands, and is just an all-around legend who gives so much of himself to support the local scene. We felt we needed to get to know Ryan and his story, and we're so stoked to get him on the other side of the mic to talk about himself for once. We talked about his early days in bands, getting into radio, and hear about what it's like to host your very own show. Listen in. Okay, welcome back to the Sweaters Club, guys. Tonight I'm joined by a very special guest. He has probably one of the most impressive vinyl collections in Victoria. He played full forward in the Recklink Community Cup, and he's one of the country's best supporters of alternative music. He's Ryan Evans from Tyrannochorus on PBS 106.7 FM. How are you, my man? I'm great, Mikey. Thank you so much for, for hitting me up. It's, uh, it's awesome to have a chat. Yeah, no, I mean, as, as I said to you before the show started, um, I see a lot online and I see a lot of the amazing work you do uh, for radio and the alternative music community in general. So, yeah, I, I thought it would be a great opportunity to uh, get you on the show and learn a bit more about you. Sounds amazing. Um, I think, uh, you know, I love the alternative scene and I've been in it uh, as long as I've been into music. So it's uh, it's it's interesting for me to be on the other side of the microphone for once so yeah i'm, I'm really looking forward to it <laughs> that's awesome man well uh yeah rest assured we're going to go deep uh, i really want to find out about about you the show and um yeah find out a bit more about that amazing vinyl collection i'm seeing in all the pictures sounds good <laughs> so um yeah as, uh, as myself and many others would know you for you are the voice behind tyrannic chorus on pbs uh tell me a bit about yourself and uh, the show in general Cool. So uh, a bit about me. Um, I'm I'm an old fuck. I'm am I allowed to swear? I should have <laughs> yeah, asked. Yeah, that. yeah, go for, for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm I'm pushing 40, dude. Um and like I grew up in the scene playing in, you know, shitty punk bands and, and uh metalcore bands and yeah, started uh oh, nice. started dabbling into into radio as um as my bands kind of were all withered out. It was my way of staying connected to the music scene and giving back, I guess. Um yeah, so I've been hosting Tyrannochorus on PBS for two and a half years. Um, mm. I did Phil's on on PBS for about four years prior to that as well. Um, so nice. yeah, I focus on like the core genres, I guess. So anything metalcore, deathcore, hardcore. I still love my punk because that's my punk roots. Um, yeah, anything anything with noisy guitars and probably a bit of yelling or screaming. It's more than likely in my realm, but I'm pretty diverse. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Um, what are some of the bands you used to play in? So I played bass in a street punk band. We were called The Boots. Um, nice. we, we hung around Melbourne like a bad smell for about a decade, <laughs> put out an album. Um, we were famous for uh, going on stage and then everyone walking out and going to the smokers room. Um, <laughs> it was it was a fun time. It was a fun time. Uh, all our songs were just silly. Um, I then was a front man for a metalcore band called To Sink the Armada. Um, Really kind of classic, that MySpace era metalcore, I guess. (laughs) Um, And that was was a lot of fun. We played a lot of really cool shows um, and then the band kind of just self-imploded. Most recently, I played bass for Floating Roach, who are a punk rock band. Um, And yeah, we did an East Coast tour in 2016 and that's kind of where I stopped my uh my musical journey in terms of uh performing and started getting behind the microphone in in terms of radio yeah awesome man and um what were some of your gateways into alternative music when you were younger yeah good question um without trying to be too stereotypical uh one of my one of my friends when i was young daniel he um he came over my place with a cassette of metallica master of puppets I think that was the first like real alternative kind of music that I listened to. I would have been like 11 or 12, um, would have been like right on that verge of high school. Um, and then once I started high school, I was just chatting to everyone else and they're like, oh, you need to listen to Nirvana. You need to listen to Rage Against the Machine and you just go on a deep dive and and I'm here, you know, 30 years on and it's virtually the deep dive doesn't stop. It just keeps going and going um, and I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, it's funny you should mention that because I feel like for so many people, 
um, your exposure to music is sort of what your parents listen to, the top 40. And then once you hear that first band, it's like you obsessively chase everything you can consume that's like a bit heavier, a bit different. Um, yeah, I, I myself, I remember uh, one of my dad's friends gave me a copy of the Black Album by Metallica and I was thinking, wow, this is the heaviest thing I've ever heard in my life. And um, yeah, that was, you know, moved to Lincoln Park and stuff like that, like so many others. But um, yeah, it's awesome to hear, man. Oh, definitely. It's um, it's it's funny because like I'm a I'm a parent as well. I got I got two boys. Um, my oldest just turned eighteen, and I really wanted to make sure that I didn't pressure him into my musical taste. <laughs> I wanted him to make his own journey, his own discovery, and so like I'd always have my music on in the car when we were driving around or at home, whatever. And he just kind of didn't take notice of it. It wasn't his vibe until about a year ago, and and then. <laughs> his group of mates were like, oh, you should listen to Slipknot. Whoa. And, and then it's just started. And now he's like full-blown into metal. And I took him to Good Things last year for his first ever show. And oh, it's nice. it's amazing to to see him start that journey that, that I started uh, a long time ago. And, yeah, mm. he loves it. Um, yeah, it's it's rad. He was messaging me yesterday about going to the Thornhill show that just got announced. Um, nice. Yeah, it's, it's rad. It's rad. That's great, man. And uh, in terms of gigs, uh, when you were younger, what what are some of your earliest memories of like gigs? Um, it could be local, could be could be big. I know a lot of people say to me like their big their first big show is, is something like Green Day or something like that. But yeah, tell me your experience. So I I grew up and I, I still kind of live in the the area. I'm I'm in the northern suburbs of Melbourne, and mm-hmm. what was a big thing in the the nineties and the noughties or early noughties was uh. Eltham Fruit Bowl, which was like a freezer run show at the Eltham Roller Skate uh, rink. And they put on some of the coolest bills. It would be just a mishmash of different genres, which was definitely the the vibe back in the 90s. First ever show I went to, I was 14 and it was Regurgitator. Um, and that was that was sick. It was so much fun. Um, and yeah, I saw so many bands at uh, Eltham Fruit Bowl. Uh Grinspoon, she had Jebediah, Friends of Rom. Um, yeah, that's that's probably my earliest memories. Went to like a few all age shows in the city when I was, you know, a bit more independent, you know, like 16, 17 and the like. Uh, went to Big Day Out, it was like my first festival, Big Day Out 2001. Um, yeah, that was, yeah, good times. So at the drive in before they exploded. Nice. It was, uh, that was a good time. Yeah, sweet, man. And uh, moving into radio is, is quite the U-turn from being in a band. Um, how did, I mean, you mentioned that there were shows before Tyrone Chorus, but, but how did you approach PBS and get involved? So it's it's actually kind of a funny story. Um, it's, it's I'm going to go a little bit off topic, but like it, it'll come in full circle, I promise. <laughs> go um, for it. <laughs> so when I... Remember, like you're in. Let me start again. <laughs> uh, in in primary school, my school used to go to like the local radio station, and um, and everyone would be able to do their own little spill of two minutes on air, and that was probably my first exposure to radio, and it, that bug really hit me hard. And as a as a young adult, like listening to alternative music, I'd always listen to you know it was Triple J back in the day. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I want to do radio. This is what I want to do with my life. Um, so I started looking into how I could get on that journey. Um, I then went to, there's a local radio station up here in, uh, they're based in Yarrabat called Plenty Valley FM. And I, I did like a radio presenter course there when I was like 16. And I just never quite finished it because it was around that same time that I started playing in bands. And mm. it wasn't that I lost interest. It was just that it kind of fell by the wayside. Um, and yeah, spent a long time playing in bands and, and doing music in that fashion. And then it was 2016. Um, my parents actually bought me a um, the PBS course as a birthday present. They're like, hey, remember when this was all you wanted to do? And then <laughs> stopped. I'm like, oh my God. It was like, it was still there. It just wasn't something that I'd actively thought of in, you know, 15, 20 years. So I'm like, this is the coolest idea. So then I did the radio course and realized that 
I had this affinity for it and I really had this passion. It was still there. And uh, then it just kind of developed from there. I, um, I finished the course in yeah 2016, recorded my demo. You have to do a, a demo to show that you're you're good enough to start doing fills. And then went away from there, started doing graveyards on, on PBS, um, playing a really, really broad spectrum. Like it's a, I've honed it down a lot now because mm-hmm. there's so many shows on PBS that, focus on niche genres um and i was just expanding like a large web because i've got a pretty varied taste and when i realized that there was nothing that was core related i'm like yeah well this is what i have to hone it in on and then yeah spend four years kind of honing my craft and then eventually got my my foot in the door and my own show on the grid yeah awesome and tyrannochorus is is your first official program on the on the station right yeah, that's correct. Yeah, um, so I, there's a it's the slot's called New Noise for for new presenters who are coming on doing their their first fill or first handful of fills, um, and then it'll be like I've filled in on a bunch of other shows. Uh, so I filled in on um, uh, Burning Bitumen probably ten times. I filled in on um, Through the Collapse probably twenty times. Um, I just keep I'd get the call up and be like, Hey, do you want to do this? And I'm like, Yep, done. Like. That was my attitude. I'm like, I'm not going to turn anything down unless, like, it's something I physically and mentally can't do. So mm-hmm. I think I only ever turned down one show, and that was because I got two days' notice and I was sick with the virus. This is pre-COVID viruses, but like, it was, um, it was, yeah, something that I was just like, no, I've got to earn my stripes to to show mm-hmm. them that I'm worthy of getting a show on the grid. Yeah, awesome. And in terms of pitching the program to PBS, is there sort of like a process that you go through or are they generally just okay with letting you do your thing? No, it's, it's like a full process. So I, um, I'm i very fortunate that I've got a really good mentor at the station. So uh, his name's Kenny Lightfoot. He hosts the program Burning Bitumen, which is actually the show that precedes mine on, on air. Um, so Kenny helped me a lot in terms of how to exactly define what I wanted to do, come up with like a, a rough draft plan of what my show outline would be. And I created a document, I put in sound bites, I put in like a playlist with embedded YouTube links. So then uh, it was anyone could access that document and find out exactly what I'm about and what kind of music they can expect to hear. Um, and then it has to go to the uh, the PBS board and get ratified. It's not just a um, uh, as simple as, yep, Sure, here's your show. It's um, it's going to get voted on and and passed through. Uh, and the the other thing about PBS, don't want to sound negative because like I absolutely adore the station and everything they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of older heads. There's a lot of <laughs> like shows that have been on the air on PBS for such a long time that it really is difficult to get onto the grid. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was just like I've just got to stick it out, pay my dues. It's going to happen. Um, I keep getting all these offers. I keep getting fills. Um, you know, someone took two months off and I'm like, yep, I'll do their show for two months. Uh, they keep asking me back. They're obviously happy with what I'm doing in some fashion. So I just kept putting my hand up and uh, eventually got the nod. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And um, so once you, you've you pitched the show to them, they've given you the green light. Uh, you've got your your very first, I guess, episode. Do you call them episodes? Is that how it? I, I call them episodes. I yeah. think um, people people call them programs or shows. Um, yeah. I I clearly label mine as an episode. I think it's a uh, it's a good way of uh, defining. Yeah, for sure. So you've got your very first episode of Tyrannochorus. Uh, you you're very close to going live. Uh, how did you feel? Were you nervous or? I was incredibly nervous, absolutely, and it was it was a weird feeling because like I've done about forty odd shows with PBS at, at that stage. It's not like I was foreign to being on air. I'd done a fill the week prior, and I wasn't nervous for that because I knew what I was doing. But it it was that nervous energy because instead of me trying to fill someone else's niche, it was me actually exposing myself and who I am, what my musical identity is and trying to carve my own name. Um, 
I actually got some messages in like my first couple of weeks. It was like, you're doing great. Calm down. Take a deep breath. And I must have just been rattling off at a million miles an hour, which I tend to do sometimes. Uh, it's uh, it's that nervous energy. And yeah, it took a, took a couple of weeks for it to settle down. But yeah, it's uh, it was a good feeling to finally be on my own show. Yeah, and uh, what was the feeling after you'd finished the very first episode? Was it sort of a sense of relief or excitement? Oh, kind of a bit of both. Um, I'm gonna add fatigue into that as well. Um, <laughs> so, like when I when I started, I was doing the uh, we call it the insomnia slot, or it's uh, probably more commonly referred to in the workplace as graveyard. So I was doing two a.m. till six a.m. Um, and the way that I was structuring that with my life was really really demanding because i would come home from work on a thursday try and get to sleep by like 8 p.m get up at 12 30 go to the station and then do my show two to six and then i'd go straight to work and i'll work seven to four um so i'd end up doing like a, a 20 hour day essentially so it was it was a mixture of emotions and it probably took me a day or two for it to actually process because of how fatigued i was but yeah it was equal parts excitement and relief yeah that's great man and um i was having just when i was having a stalk of the the pages facebook i uh, came across a list you'd made up of of all the bands you've interviewed and there is just an absolute gauntlet of a of amazing local and international acts um who who out of that list stands out as your favorite and why so that most recent list that I did was uh, it was just the bands that I interviewed in the last twelve months. Um, Holy shit! Yeah. So like, if <laughs> I'm amazing. if I'm looking at like just that that list from the last twelve months, I can answer that, but I can also answer in terms of my entire PBS career. Um, so the last twelve months, look, there's there's probably a couple that come to mind. Um, the first one would be very topical, uh, Polaris. Um, Obviously, uh, yeah. the scene has just been absolutely rocked by by the tragic passing of Ryan Sue, and it's it's heartbreaking. Um, I I got to interview not Ryan, but I interviewed Jamie Hales in person at Good mm. Things, and that was just such a surreal experience because they're fucking huge. Like, yeah. who am I? I'm just some shit kicker on community radio talking to one of the metalcore gods in a sense. Uh, so that was mm. really, really amazing. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head who else I interviewed in the last 12 months that was really spectacular. Um, man, there's there's so many. Hey, um, if I'm thinking all time, the uh, the couple that really stand out is um, my first big interview was uh, with Josh Smith from North Lane. And nice. and that was incredible. That was as they just released um, oh, the first single from Obsidian, which came out like a year before the record. I can't remember what yeah, the tracks. Right. Um, but that was that was unreal because I'd done a handful of interviews. And they're all local bands, and then all of a sudden I'm interviewing Northlane. <laughs> um, uh, my interview with Howard Jones was spectacular as well, which was really early on too. Um, for obviously X Kill Switch, but we were focusing on uh, Light the Torch uh, and their yeah. their awesome album. Um, and and one of my favorite interviews, I've actually just interviewed them a second time this week, which was uh, Meg Target from Vexed. They're just one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, rad new metal deathcore, mm. intense vocals, just yeah, the best band. Um, incredible vocals, incredible lyrical content. Um, and she was just the most down to earth person to chat to. Um, but yeah, I, I think I take something out of every single interview I do. It's it's such a wild experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I noticed as well, um, you're a big friends with Rom guy and you had uh, Lindsay come in as well. Um, how was, was that sort of like a full circle moment as well, being a big friends with guy and then being able to interview him in person? Absolutely. It's <laughs> really, really bizarre to think about. Because, yeah, I saw them for the first time when I was 15 at Eltham Fruit Bowl, which <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure I told I told him in that interview. But the the other thing about Lindsay is that he's uh, he's a radio host himself. He yeah. did years on Triple J and now he's a 
ABC Illawarra or something. Um, for me to interview him, it was probably not too dissimilar from what we're doing right now, where he was on the <laughs> other side of the mic, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolute full circle. And we just bantered for close to 40 minutes, and it was incredible. Um, a lot of bands, especially like younger bands who, who don't quite have their foot in the door yet, it's it's hard to get people to open up and, and just be mm. chatty. And there was no effort required with Lindsay. It was just like, I oh, will just start talking and then it just kept going. It was, yeah, it was amazing. Um, yeah, one of my one of my favorite bands. <laughs> Sweet. And um obviously you've got an amazing list already, but I'm sure there's there's a bit of a bucket list as well of bands you'd like to interview. Uh, who would be your dream interview? Uh yep. Cool. Good question. Um Top of the list would absolutely be Winston McCall. Um, that would Hell be incredible. Yes. Um, I mean, Parkway were one of the two bands that really got me into the heavier side of music from being a punk rock kid when I was in my teens and early 20s. Um, the The other one is the other band that really got me into heavier music, and, and that's the Black Dahlia Murder. Um, so, like, to... I'd, I'd always said when I started, I'm like, I'd love to chat to Winston. I'd love to chat to Trevor. And obviously, <laughs> I won't be able to chat to Trevor now. Uh, rest in mm. peace. Hope he's, yeah. hope he's uh, at rest. But, uh, you know, I know that the band is still active. They've got the new lineup to to chat to like Brian Eshbach would be incredible as well. Um, at the same time, like, I don't have any expectations of being able to do that. It's It's more the sense of I will look at everything that comes on my plate what comes through my emails what comes through my dms on facebook or insta and and take it all on its merit you know i love being able to support the younger local bands who are coming up in the scene who are dropping the first ap or a second ap i think doing the international bands is great because it's going to draw people into the show and find out who i'm about and what i do but it's more for me to push and promote the 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 scene as it's growing, like get those green shoots happening. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, one of the segments that, that really struck me and I thought was really clever was the home and away segment that you had going on. So an episode dedicated to home, which, which was one, and then another to away. And I thought I would ask a bit of a fun question about this. So sure. if, if we're thinking about characters from home and away, which band that you would have played on either would be Al Stewart and which would be Sally Fletcher and why? Oh, very good question. <laughs> um, those are, for those who don't, because I know a lot of people know Al Stewart, but Sally Fletcher is Kate Ritchie. So yep. both national treasures. Um, I'm Absolutely. not a home and away guy, but uh, obviously we can't deny its uh, impact on Australian culture. But uh, yeah, who would be who and why? Oh, okay. Um that's a tough question. <laughs> um, if I'm thinking, if I'm thinking Al Stewart. It's got to be someone who's. I always think of uh, what was that YouTube that used to like um, take the piss out of Al Stewart, like I'll skull drag you back to Mexico if you ask It's like yeah. that. That to me is what I think of when I think of Al Stewart. So it's got to be someone who's a bit aggressive in your face, but also kind of satirical. So yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say friends are wrong, <laughs> um, for, for lack of uh, being able to think of anyone else who kind of fits that bill. Well, it works because uh, it's like old, grouchy, you know, weathered, been around the traps, you know, always something to add. I, I think that's a great answer. All right, awesome. Um, terms of Kate Ritchie, she's someone who's a bit more intense, pragmatic. <laughs> um, someone who's not a pushover. Uh, I will say Ginger. Ginger. Great answer. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Cool. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I don't think it, that's a question you've ever been asked before. It's, Never. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah, awesome. And um, I, I, I brought this up before, but obviously you've, you've very proudly display your vinyl collection, which is incredible. Um, what drew you to the medium? Um, so my my youngest brother, he um, he actually used to work at 2400 and um, 
he, friends in high places. I mean, like, I guess, like, <laughs> he absolutely hated it. Like, it was, it was. I'm not going to absolutely can 2400 because, like, I still support them. I buy media through them, but um, he wasn't happy doing what he was doing at that time and space. So, like, um, he had some questionable experiences. Um, yeah, I'm right. hoping that it's it's all moved on from there. But uh, he would, you know, staff discount, get some, uh, get a, a handful of vinyls and, and gift them to me. I'm like, oh, that's that's cool. Um, so the first ever records I got was uh, Architects, Lost Forever, Lost Together, and... Mm-hmm. Antagonist AD haunt me as I roam, and like oh. those two are two of my favorite bands. Amazing. And I was like, "These are cool," and then just kind of put him in my cupboard and didn't think about it for a couple of years. And then he gifted me a couple more. I think uh, one was one of them was their friends of Rome record actually. Uh, Meet the family. Uh, I think it was Propaganda, Today's Empires, Tomorrow's Ashes, and I can't remember what else. There was definitely a third one there. And again, I'm like, these are really cool. Put them back in the cupboard. And what drew me in was um, was all the hype around Gravemont and their debut mm. album, Conduit. And Amazing. I was just obsessed, like absolutely obsessed with Volgan and then with Phantom Pain. I'm like, I need to support this band. And so I, I pre-ordered Conduit. And that was my first ever actual vinyl purchase. Um, and then from there, it just kind of went off the rails and, uh, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm, uh, four years deep into what I would call actively collecting and, um, I'm pushing 400 records. It's, oh. um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, my, my partner just cringes every time I get a package <laughs> delivered. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It's I think back to my teenage years and I always used to go buy all my CDs. I'd go to mm. my local record store in Eltham or I'd go to JB Hi-Fi. And like, I still have a lot of my CD collection. I just obviously don't use it because yeah. these days everyone's using streaming services and I um, I do the same, especially while I'm driving or if I'm you know at a mate's place having a barbie or something, playlist, bang, good. But there's something so pure about getting a record, being able to hold it physically in your hands at like a large size as well compared to like a compact disc and then putting it on the turntable and, and going. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was about six months in that I'm like, I need to get like a table and speakers and an amp to be able to actually listen to my collection. <laughs> I was only like 30 or 40 records deep at that stage, but it, um, yeah, it's, it's the bug has well and truly been. <laughs> Yeah, well, I know um, I, I'm in like a vinyl Facebook group and a lot of the uh, the funny questions people ask is what is the most horrendous shipping charge you've paid on getting it over here? So I thought I would extend the question to you. Yep. Uh, I think um, it would have been, I think, Limp Biscuit. Ooh, yeah. um, I bought a copy of significant other which was like original press as well um nice. and i i got it for a steal it was like 90 dollars or something i'm like hell yeah <laughs> but it was coming from canada yeah. and like shipping from the states sucks shipping from mm. the uk is even worse europe's a little bit less but like canada for some reason is just horrendous it's like the literal opposite side of the world um I'm pretty sure I paid about the same that I paid for the record to actually get it delivered. Um, so yeah, it was, <laughs> it was probably about 180 in total. Um, thankfully, that you know I've got discogs and I, I check my pricing and everything. And thankfully, it, uh, it's worth more than the 180 that I paid for it, including shipping. So not that that matters because you know it's not about. I don't collect for the dollar figure. I collect for my use and my enjoyment um but yeah that would be the most expensive i copped yeah well it's it sounds like on balance you came out even there Um, i think so i think yeah significant other i would think that that would be something a lot of the limp biscuit fans would be you know fighting to get their hands on so yeah 
I think I think if you ever did choose to sell it, you would probably double it. <laughs> oh, I I guarantee I would, but like <laughs> that would be in oh, it would be in like my top twenty or thirty albums of all time. Like there is no way that I would get rid of that. That's mm. um, you know, it's it's not something that I would you know get buried in the casket with me, but like <laughs> it's something that I would I would keep near and dear to me for as long as I can treasure it and um yeah I've. Yeah, what a band. What a band. Yeah. Well, um, I have personally sold all my vinyl when I moved house. Uh, I moved into an apartment, so I don't have much left. But I do hear the term holy grail vinyl bandied around a lot. Um, so that would mean the the album that is top of the list of your most desired album to get on vinyl. What would be yours? Oh, um, I've, I think... I've I've got two of my grails already. Um so like I don't I don't see it as me having a grail because there are records that I want that I just haven't gotten around to getting yet because you know it's an expensive hobby. Um <laughs> but the the two grails that I've got was uh I got <clears throat> Antagonist AD's seven inch of old bones make new blooms, which was from what, like 2010, yeah. 2011, something like that. Um, really, really old, out of press, hard to find. And I um, I actually traded some of my Antag merch with a, a dude that I met from Texas and we're still friends and chat online to this day, which is really cool. Um, the the other one was uh, at the drive-in relationship of command, um, yeah. which I found on ebay for a pretty good price original pressing um those were like my grails that i've managed to get i don't the other thing i would look at is records that have never been pressed Mm. and that's probably what would interest me more than like this aspiration of a record that i don't have because i've got a lot of cool records that i've already got like there's there's nothing that i'm itching going oh i wish i had that release like I've got most of those. I'm, I'll turn around. I'm looking at my vinyl collection from here. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of records that just have never been pressed on vinyl. And that to me would be like the Holy Grail. For example, mm-hmm. you know, the first two, the Ghost Inside albums. Like Hell yeah. if they were to ever make their way under vinyl, I'd be like licking my lips, like uh, jumping at it. But I'm surprised it hasn't already. That's, um, yeah, that, that is surprising. I think it's a label issue. So yeah, right. from my understanding, the label that they were on at the time doesn't want to give up the rights. And there's been a lot of bands who've had issues with that label itself. So um Which label is it? Sorry? Which label uh, is it? Was it? Media Scare. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, but I guess what gives me hope with that is like Antag's Nothing from No One was also on Media Scare and they've just repressed it as a um a vinyl release last year. So um He's hoping that, uh, you know, these releases do see the light of day because I think fans warrant them and they, they deserve them. Um, and, like, we've got some really cool upstart labels here in Australia that are doing a lot of uh, releases of uh, vinyl that had never seen the light of day, like, um, you know, ABBC and Summit and Stiff Top and, and the like, and they're just doing amazing work. Um Hopefully, we just see more of that and and more supporting the scene. Mm. Yeah, great. Well, uh, going back to Black Dahlia, I actually noticed in a lot of the photos you had a Black Dahlia merch. I actually already had a question lined up about the band. Um, But uh, say you're stranded on an island, you've got one Black Dahlia record with you. Uh, it's the the one you have to listen to until you get off the island or sort of just die there. But uh, what? album would it be and why um all right this is going to be a different response to what i thought it would be so my favorite black dahlia murder album is ritual i think the thematic elements um the the whole kind of haunting mysterious kind of vibe for that whole album is just amazing but if i wanted a record just for pure listenability and enjoyment. I think I'd go for Nocturnal. Um, that album right. for me is just riffs on riffs. It's 
It's um, it's Shannon's blast beats. It's John Kempenine's terrible lead guitar, and it's just a banging album. Like, I, I, it's not as good as some of their other releases, but it's that iconic release. Yeah, Great I'd answer, never get man. bored. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, like, moving back to radio, I and this sort of gets talked about a lot, but heavy music sort of gets a, a bit of a tepid representation on mainstream radio, sort of unless you're in the Parkways, the Amities, the Polarises. But um, with so many of like the music festivals making their way back here and all just doing really well, do you think alternative music, I mean, there is alternative music played, but heavy music core specifically, do you think it'll ever get the appreciation it deserves? Yes. Um, I think if I'm thinking about your question, it's get the attention it deserves. I think that it does already get the attention it deserves in the sense that the fan bases are loyal and passionate and driven. And, um, you know, you think about how many people you see in cool merch or, you know, vinyl collectors and the like. It's never going to be that Taylor Swift, Adele, Ed Sheeran level if, if that's where you were thinking of going. Uh, but if I also look at how much the scene has grown and developed over the last decade or two, it's going to continue down that path. There's going to be a blurring of the lines of what is alternative and what isn't alternative. And mm. I'm going to hate myself for saying this, but Artists like Machine Gun Kelly actually help blur those lines to absolutely in terms yeah. of getting accessibility. Um, the the more that Machine Gun Kelly gets popular, the more people will go, Oh no, I'll listen to Blink 182. Oh, I'll listen to Turnstyle. And next thing you know, they start falling down the rabbit hole. Yeah, that's a that's a great point because I, I know a lot of uh the pop punk and stuff i listen to uh is not something i would you know listen to these days but was my gateway into things that i enjoy today so yeah it's a really good point and and you mentioned blurring the lines um you see bring me the horizon getting up and performing with ed sheeran like that was i was remember watching the video for that and i was thinking like why are people not making more of a big deal of this like this is like two completely separate worlds colliding um is incredible so i yeah. definitely didn't have that on my bingo card for sure it was <laughs> yeah very unexpected but if anyone can do that kind of thing it's for me yeah for sure man so um we might move into a few little fun questions to wrap things up but um i mentioned in the intro that you played in the Recklink community cup I um, did, yeah. yeah how was that experience i know you mentioned that uh you, you had a bit of a, a blank sheet in terms of stats the first time you played but um how was the match this year and uh who in the match won best on ground would you say uh yeah we we had a fantastic uh game this year so um the uh the megahertz the pbs triple r megahertz uh took victory over the uh the rock dogs by three points <laughs> come from behind victory um i managed to get two touches uh took a mark had a kick had a handball um and then i i gathered the ball about 15 meters out in front and then got tackled and, and uh, <laughs> didn't have prior opportunity so it um that's i'm wrapped that i got to actually have very minimal but some influence on the game i actually felt like i participated uh as opposed to last year where i just absolutely did nothing i think um playing full forward was a, a very different experience to playing in the back pocket and um i i've relished it um terms of best on ground uh it was absolutely it was sam i can't think of his last name he's from triple r he just was having an absolute field day had the ball on a string <laughs> Um, bursting through packs. It was incredible to watch from the field and from the boundary line when I was on the bench. Like, yeah, it's it's such a fun day. And mm. if um even if you're not a footy fan, it's definitely worth going and, and enjoying the spectacle because you're looking at two very unprofessional professional football teams playing in front of a huge crowd. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was great. I had my a, a few really close friends and my partner and my, my youngest son and um, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law come down. And 
they were like, what the hell is this? Why is this so big? I'm like, it's just a party. Um, yeah, it's 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 such a, a great experience to be part of. And I'm, I'm truly honoured to, to pull on the red and white of the megahertz and look forward to doing it again next year. Fantastic, man. Well, in terms of the, the local scene at the moment, um, who are a few local bands that are catching your eyes and ears at the moment? Yeah. Um, so... When when we're talking local, do we mean just Melbourne specific? Do we mean like really young and and growing, or do we want like what kind of level are we talking? Like, oh, it could um, be local in Queensland, local like I, I guess I would probably still consider like your future statics and you know yep. local sort of thing. Yeah, cool. Yeah, absolutely, future static. They're amazing. Mm. Um, I know that they're uh, they're bringing out the cover of Gasolina on on oh, streaming. I'm so week excited for so. that! My God. Oh. Have you heard it? I haven't. No, it's on. It's on the um. It's on the um. The better sessions, the what we did on the weekend. Oh, uh, release. okay. So right. like, I've been I've been itching to play it on radio, but like I, I hate taking my records into the studio because like it's so <laughs> such a pain in the ass trying to queue up a track. Um, but yeah, Future Static are the best, and and I think they're going to Europe. Like they're they're just yeah. skyrocketing. The festival run. Yeah, so good, and like. Well deserved. Um, I think the last martyr are probably in that same kind of bracket, although not quite as as prominent and a, as developed as like Future Static are. But they're just absolutely kicking ass, and I adore that band. Um, Starve are probably my band to watch in terms of yeah. I'm expecting their next release to come out and then to just absolutely level up. Uh, I would say the same about Bloom from Sydney. Um, mm-hmm. They're just making huge waves and I'm sure that whenever their next release comes out, it's also going to skyrocket them. They were one of the best bands I saw at Unify Forever. Mm. Um, who else? Uh, I'm thinking a bit more the extreme kind of vibe. Uh, definitely Zeolite. Um, yeah. They've just Tassie, got a new... Right? Uh, they're originally from Tassie, but they're Melbourne-based now. Right. Um, yeah. But they've they've just had a, a bit of a lineup change, so... Uh, Hodjo, who used to play drums for Hollow World, is now playing drums for Zeolite. And Zach, who used to be the vocalist for Hortopsy, is replaced or become the new vocalist. And wow. I've seen him twice with this new lineup. They're fucking good. Like they're they're gonna be that next huge extreme band. That's what I, I feel anyway. Mm, um, yeah. I was actually uh, they were booked to support the Redshaw reunion show that I had tickets to that sadly didn't end up happening but uh why yeah damn you COVID. <laughs> yeah oh, yeah, it no, got rescheduled answer, three times and then just pin pulled mm, yeah. yeah i don't think there's any word of a i think it's i think yeah it's done and dusted right i, I haven't really heard anything about a, a reschedule lately so yeah it's very disappointing um we'll wait and see like mm. i would love i would love them to come back um you know, I think about how Unify have always brought back bands who are defunct to come play a final set. Like, that would be sick. Like, Redshaw yeah, do a set. For I mean, sure. that's if Unify comes back, which yeah. I'm not going to hold my breath. But, um, yeah, they're, yeah, incredible band. Absolutely incredible band. Um, I remember seeing them with, with Damo at the, at the front as well. Like, <sighs> so good. Mm, yeah. Well, uh, speaking about Unify, um, and I'm notice, noticing looking at your background, I'm seeing all the framed Unify posters, which is amazing. It's uh, yep. really cool. Uh, what was your first Unify and what was your favourite Unify? Uh, so my first Unify was the, the first Unify, which is Sick. that one, uh, 2015. Um, I'm really sorry if uh, the, the rain's coming through. I'm, I'm in the man cave and it's kind of hitting on the shed. No, I can't uh, hear it. Roof. It's all good. Um, so yeah, 2015 Unify. I went with um, you know three of my closest friends, and it was just the overnight, the one night experience. Uh, it was messy and amazing. Just seeing <laughs> incredible bands all day and and drinking infinity beers. Um, uh, yeah, I I missed the 2016 Unify, but that was the only one I missed. I went to every other one. Mm. Um, my favorite Unify would be 2018 uh, Parkway. Architects, oh, uh, yeah. crying in the pit with Sam Carter talking about the loss of Tom Searle. 
that was just a phenomenal vibe that whole weekend. Yeah, great answer. I think I think my first and favorite one was the Alexis on Fire one, which I can see in the background as well. That was, yeah, I think that was my first exposure to the festival, and I thought, gee, I can just do this every year forever, you know. So, yeah, it's very sad that the the festivals obviously fallen on some harder times, you know, with all the COVID and inflationary things. So yeah, it's sad. We'll see what happens. Like um, I know they've just done the unify off the record run. Mm. Hopefully that, you know, generates enough income for them to be able to back doing another big festival. Um, I'm, I'm looking at it going, who could they get as a draw card? That's going to sell, you know, seven eight thousand tickets and that's what it's going to come down to like mm. otherwise they're going to end up losing money like I'm, I'm sure they would have lost a lot of money to at unify forever because it was the australian only lineup which i loved but like mm. at the same time those internationals really helped pull the festival through so yeah for sure yeah he is hoping it does come back in some form or, or another fingers and toes crossed <laughs> yeah for sure so um, just going back to radio, uh, what would be some advice you would give to people looking to follow in your footsteps? Um, practice, 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 I think. Um, for me, speaking has always been a natural thing for me. Um, like I did like public speaking and debate when I was in high school. So hmm. it's it's not something that was foreign to me, but hone your craft, take your time working on your delivery, your pace of speaking, uh, your tone as well. Um, the other thing would just be find your passion and your niche, whether that, you know, whatever genre that might be. It might be, you know, extreme death metal. It might be pop punk. It might be, you know, nostalgic MySpace emo. It might be jazz. Whatever you're passionate about, follow that passion because that too will come through in your voice. Yep. And I, I think that's why, you know, people listen to me and why I keep getting all these rad interview offers is because, like, I, I don't care about what I do. I love doing what I do. Mm. Um, and I wouldn't put as much time and effort into doing it if I didn't. So, yep. yeah, follow your passion. Fantastic. And um, I know PBS relies a lot on donations and volunteers. Um, what are some ways that people can get involved to support the station? So we are... We're, oh, we're literally a couple of days away from um, finishing up our radio festival, which it oh. technically ran through all of May, but we have a, a shut-off date at the end of June. Uh, you can sign up at pbsfm.org.au. Uh, sign up as a member to basically pledge that, you know, I'm supporting this radio station. There's a number of different tiers. I think the entry level is like $40 and you could do that as like a, a junior member if you've got, you know, a kid or a pet or something and they go up to like stupidly extreme uh, versions if you you run a business or if you're in a band or something. It's, it's a really cool way to support the station because you look at all these commercial stations and they've got, you know, corporate backing and they've got dollars coming through and all the presenters are paid and there's tons and tons of adverts and you hear the same Foo Fighters song every 20 minutes. <laughs> um, for, for us, like, we're all volunteers. We volunteer our time and our efforts for free. And I would say I probably put in about 10 hours a week, including right. airing my show every single week, which is, you know, it's a lot of time, especially when I work full time. You know, I've got, I've got um, a toddler and a, and a now young adult child trying to balance that amongst spending time with my partner and um and you know having a social life seeing friends going to gigs like it's it's hard to do that but i do it because i love it uh the yeah absolutely sign up pbsfm.org.au um you can pledge to whichever show you like whether that's mine whether that's you know one of the other cool heavy shows we've got I think eight or nine heavy shows on PBS, which is the oh, most cool. metal representation on any radio station in Australia. Yeah, hell um, yeah. Which is That's amazing. Um, but even if, you know, 
metal's not your vibe. It could be punk rock. It could be could be jazz. It could be you know EDM. Like whatever your vibe is, there's something there for you, and you can you can sign up to support. Um, you can also like donate extra money if you want to just do it as a raw donation, which of course is 100% tax deductible. Um, by doing that as well, you go on the draw to win these rad prizes. So mm. uh, a major prize is like a, a Vespa Primavera scooter. There's a double pass to Golden Plane 16. There's all kinds of guitars. You can get a year worth of uh, PBS feature albums. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's some pretty cool stuff. Uh, I I might even have a stack of vinyl that I'm going to give away to people who sign up. Maybe, maybe I got some anti-vinyl vinyl club releases maybe some summer distro releases yeah maybe some stiff cut records uh you <laughs> not significant other see. though right sorry not significant other though right that's not significant other <laughs> no no that one's staying with me that one's absolutely staying with me <laughs> oh that's fantastic man well uh yeah is there is there anything you'd like to to leave us with or plug before we let you go um i think just keep supporting the local scene that's the most important thing and that's why I do what I do because you never know when the next local band is going to become the next Polaris or Thyatis Murder or Parkway Drive or Amity Affliction or North Lane. They're out there and they're grinding yeah. and they're playing at Bad Decisions or some other tiny venue to seven people. And you could be there. You could be yeah. there and say, oh, I saw them when they played to no one and, and now they're huge. Find your bands that you love. Support the bands that you love. Um, make sure you you tell your friends to come out with you as well because I know I've got a big friendship group who always goes to all the big shows, but they're hard to wrangle for the smaller ones. Um, yeah. It's really important, really important to support the local scene uh, so that they can grow and develop and continue this Australian heavy takeover of the world. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining us. This has been a really fun chat. Um, for those who wanted to check to check out the ride on the show, uh, Tyranna Chorus is on midnight till 2 a.m. on Tuesday evenings or Wednesday mornings you've got here in brackets, which is, but uh, yeah, thank you very much for, for joining us, Ryan. Uh, yeah, amazing to talk to you. Uh, love what you do and uh, looking forward to seeing uh, what the future holds for you. Thank you so much, Mikey. It's been a pleasure to chat. Um, thank you for the support as well. Um, obviously, that midnight to two slot, it's not going to suit everyone. Um, you can also listen back on uh, the the official PBS app, which you can download from the uh, the Play Store or the Apple Store or whatever. Uh, you can also just stream it off the website itself. There's like little embedded links on all the things, which I try and share on all my social medias as well. So um, even if you're not up at you know, stupid o'clock, you can always listen back <laughs> the next day. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh it's a lot of fun. And yeah, I really appreciate your support and the time to have a chat and yeah, talk nonsense. It's been a good time. My pleasure, man. Well I uh, take care. You too, Mikey. Thank you.